Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, nonstop sports talk continues with news and analysis from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. Not the hero. We deserve to the hero. We need him. This is the Big Six. It's going to be you. With your host, Jason Martin. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. What's up? Week number five, Big Six. A little bit after six, actually, on my clock. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. If you want to join the show... If you got the guts, 615-737-1045, you can tweet me again at jmartzone. Football, folks. Life is incomplete without it. Life is fully formed with it. We have not seen any points scored in fake football games, which I like to classify as fake points. Some people say they're real points in fake games. I say you're splitting hairs. It's fake points in fake games. But we're getting there. We got the Hall of Fame game. You can almost smell the pigskin in the NFL. I was out at St. Thomas Sports Park today, watched Titans practice, watched them go through about an hour of unscripted scrimmage. That was a lot of fun. I will admit, and I uh, spoke to a couple of people inside the league earlier today and asked them and said, look, am I wrong to just tell you sometimes and most of the time when I'm at training camp, I don't really know what to look for. I mean, I can pay attention to see the one-on-ones. I can see who, you know, who's first team, second team, third team, all of those things. But I seriously just walked around and asked people, asked experts, asked people that have been around training camp for many, many years, various training camps, what it is that they observed and then tried to learn from them. And I'm coming here to tell you that because I am never going to lead you astray. I'm never going to to get on here and tell you things that I don't know to try and sound smart. I am learning just like everybody else. I haven't coached football before, so I'm learning some of the intricacies. I know it pretty well, and not just thanks to Madden and NCAA, but you can learn something if you don't assume you already know everything. And since I'm not 13 anymore, I realize that there are things I don't know, and I get joy out of new wisdom every day. I suggest you should all do the same. Read more books. Talk to people that have been there and done that in various disciplines. Learn how to be more effective by talking to people who are already effective, as opposed to trying to snow your way through life. So what did I see today and what have I seen over the past week or so? We're about to get to our list, our big six list. The list of six tonight is going to cover the entire NFL and look at the six biggest stories, the six biggest angles that have come out of the start of training camp across the NFL. But before we do that, let's talk of a few things that I've noticed and seen around Titans camp. We talked about it a lot last week. Everybody did. I call it pay the man. Cut the man. Pay the man, Taylor Lewan. Pay the man, Delaney Walker. 
cut them in, Kevin Dodd. That simple. You pay the people you trust. We talked about trust last week. We talked about accountability last week. We talked about authenticity last week. We talked about heart last week. And I told you that Kevin Dodd, to me, lacked confidence. And as such, you could not trust Kevin Dodd. Taylor Lewan showing up before his contract was taken care of because he wanted to be ready. He knew he would be playing football games this season. If you listen to John Robinson on this very radio station on Friday or this morning, he made it clear. Watching that guy through the glass show up to do his job, even amidst contract negotiation, showed him all he needed to see. It was almost as if John Robinson listened to the Big Six. Because you can trust a guy like Taylor Lewan. Because he clearly loves football. Delaney Walker clearly loves football. So you take care of those guys. When it comes to Kevin Dodd, you say, see you later. You wish him the absolute best. He was a bust. It didn't work out. Number two, guys getting reps they've earned. I heard Paul Kaharski talking about this on the Midday 180 earlier today. One of his observations from camp. Mike Vrabel does it a little bit differently in that if you show him something, when you do something right... Just because you were on third team doesn't mean you're just going to stay on third team forever. He's going to give you more opportunities, more chances, in better roles. That is interesting. Every training camp is different. We're hearing a lot about Matt Patricia in Detroit and how much harder and more physical those practices are, although at least some Lions have come out and said that's really sort of overblown. It's just maybe a little bit more focused and there's more intensity going on and Patricia is louder than Jim Caldwell and it wouldn't take much to be louder than Jim Caldwell because I don't think I've ever seen his mouth open when he's been on camera like when you see Jim Caldwell Jim Caldwell perennially looks as if he's a ventriloquist who has lost his dummy but he still doesn't actually want to open his mouth to speak I'm not quite sure I know what his voice sounds like I'm not totally sure he's well respected but obviously Matt Patricia If he is yelling at all, if he's raising his voice, it's going to be different, much different, including running laps for mistakes made in practice, goal line strategy because the Lions stunk it up last year in that very category. So you're seeing different things. Everybody does it a new way. This is Vrabel's first time as a head coach. He's now a CEO. He has to be organized. He is clearly somebody who pays attention to detail. He is meticulous, but he's also seemingly someone who treats his players. And I bent Mike's keys here a little bit earlier today while we were standing there watching the scrimmage. It looks as if he wants to treat his players as if they are independent adults that he sort of trusts. Again, there's that trust word again. When they are off, they're off. They have real rest. It's not, you have to think about football 24-7. You play hard, you work hard, and then when the time comes, you walk away. And he pays attention. He does not seem to be the crazy guy some people thought he was going to be. Yes, there is a faster pace to what we are seeing and a more focused pace, but it seems that the most striking difference is just the attention that Vrabel and this staff is paying to the conditioning of these guys and to making sure that they are rested. Today, they cut practice a little bit shorter than maybe some of us thought they were going to. At least once over the past four days, the first four days, they cut a session five minutes early because Vrabel could tell 
the guys were winded and weren't hydrated properly. So he said, you know what? Let's go take a break. Go grab yourself some water, and we'll come back out here, and we'll hit this next period extremely hard. That, to me, has to be an optimistic sign if you're a Tennessee Titans fan. And we'll talk in the next segment when we get to tonight's list of six about some non-optimistic signs coming from the national media who clearly don't believe in the Titans. Mariota was pretty good at times today, but he's still missing bunnies. He's still missing five-yard throws that you have to be able to make at this level. You have to be able to make those throws. He was throwing some nice deep balls. He was very good last night based on every report, or yesterday afternoon, rather. But these two to three yard, these five yard, these screen passes, these are things that have to be pinpoint, and they still aren't right now. His receivers, Corey Davis, look in the part. What a catch against Odori Jackson. You heard Odori Jackson on the Midday 180 earlier today say that's the best catch he's ever seen in any practice in his short career in the NFL. And then I'm going to mob for my Western Kentucky brethren. I covered every game that he played in Bowling Green Taewon Taylor, Mike Vrabel today saying he is starting to separate himself, and he is. He's another guy that loves football. Taewon Taylor, Taylor Lewan, Delaney Walker. There are some guys on this team that really love what they do. Malcolm Butler, the standout of camp so far, based on everyone's reporting, everyone that's been to every practice, talking about what Malcolm Butler has been able to do. You see the difference in a veteran corner that's been there and done that before against and with and standing next to guys that maybe don't have the same level of experience. So there's a lot to like right now. There's a lot to like in camps all across the NFL, though. You can put glitz on anything. There are bad football teams that are still looking pretty good in camp, especially if you don't know what to look for. But there are some positive signs, and I think based on just how organized and prepared Vrabel and the coaches appear to be, I felt a little bit more optimistic about things today just in my limited viewing, and I'll be going back a couple of more times this week, and then I'll have more to say about it. I don't know what that's going to translate to in the record, but it looks like the team is working hard and they're playing together. Not a whole lot of backfighting, not a whole lot of back-talking, None of that, and not, and a lot of that's usually overplayed, and it's just kind of fun, and it gets out of hand, and blah, 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 and it turns into good fodder for people to fill content on their websites or inside their newspapers. But haven't really seen much of that. We've seen some really solid stuff, but it still looks like this is definitely a team who's out here for one singular goal. And I would say the play that I saw today that was the most stunning out of Wyoming, as a matter of fact, Rico Gafford, the cornerback, at the end of one-on-ones, just put a absolute licking on the wide receiver. It got oohs and ahs from everybody in the bleachers and everybody holding clipboards and wearing various visors slash fedoras slash beach hats slash caps. And I was wearing one of the latter as part of the media standing there watching this. But if you've been to camp, if you've been one of the fans that's been in the bleachers, been in the stands, what have you seen? We will take your calls throughout this show, 615-737-1045. All right, we'll go ahead and take our break. On the other side, we will do the list of six. Tonight's list of six, my big six takeaways 
from NFL training camps across the league. The storylines, the mistakes, the surprises, and the things we're all paying attention to. Don't miss a second tonight. We'll be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Zone Travel. It's a big six. It's 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. Week number five, edition number 16. Glad to have you as part of the movement. Nine Inch Nails, a little only, bringing us back here on a Monday. Talk a little bit about the Titans. There in the first segment, our telephone number, if you want to join the program for some reason, 615-737-1045. You can tweet me at jmartzone. Some of you have already done that. Tonight's list of six. I've told you I'm not going to waste your time, so we're going to jump right on into it. The list of six tonight, the big six takeaways from NFL training camps across the league. You know how we do it, at least generally. Sometimes it doesn't work out as well, so we alter that. Call an audible, if you will, but we are going to build to the biggest item on the list. But let's get the list started. Rule number one. I'm number one. Thank you, Joe Dirt. Andrew Luck's back on the field. He's admittedly rusty, but he feels good to be back out there. He was full practice the first two days. Then he started handing off the football Saturday as part of a rest day. Said he didn't feel pain in the shoulder. A little bit of soreness. Had some timing issues. Said he was definitely rusty, but there are zero setbacks thus far. He's working hard in the weight room. Wants to make sure that he feels proper for the start of the season. Now, Bill Barnwell tweeted to a Titans fan earlier today that asked what teams were in line for a decline. The reason he asked this question, folks, is because Bill Barnwell wrote an article for ESPN of the six teams set to rise in 2018. Appreciate him stealing my gimmick. The six teams were the Browns, the Jaguars, the Texans, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Bears, and the Colts. Three of those teams come from the AFC South. And basically, he told this fan, this Titans fan, to, quote, skip the column he's going to write later in the week about those declining teams, basically indicating he believes the Titans are going to be in free fall this year. This division, folks, is such a crapshoot. There's potential basically everywhere. We don't know if the league has already figured out Deshaun Watson if Deshaun Watson's healthy, I still think he's incredibly dynamic and I can't wait to see him play. Andrew Luck, I have no idea. If Andrew Luck is what we know he can be, then all bets are off. And then, of course, the Jaguars have that defense. Blake Bortles is still Blake Bortles, but they've got a solid running game. They've got a whole lot of swagger, and that defense is just full of studs. So we'll see. But one of the biggest stories in the league, without question, is Andrew Luck being back out there throwing the football. And if he's the old Luck, or if somehow, miraculously, he's better or smarter, look out. Number two. The Giants brass. A little bit worried about all the hype surrounding Saquon Barkley. I talked to Dan Orlovsky this morning, and he says it's justified. Not the worry, but the hype. In terms of a character guy, in terms of a workout warrior, in terms of a beast on the field. 
The only thing I wonder about is where Eli Manning really is. Some people are a lot higher on him than I am. If Eli has regressed in any way, or if Pat Shermer's not the answer, we'll have to see. Now, Pat Shermer's been really good in the past with running backs. He has no problem giving them a lot of carries. You can do, a, do some, some quick research and see just how much of a workload he will put a running back through. So, if Saquon is up to par... He's going to get a lot of opportunities. Camp doesn't translate all the time, but Barkley has certainly looked apart. But here's what John Mara said. His 62nd training camp this season. In all that time, he has seen few rookies that received this level of hype. He had to go back 37 years to find a local comparison. Here's what he said. Quote, possibly 1981, Lawrence Taylor when he came to camp, but maybe not quite this much. I mean, his jersey is already the number one selling jersey. He's gotten a lot of attention. I think in speaking to him and watching how he conducts himself, I think he's able to handle that, so I feel good about that. But still, you know I've used this line a million times before. Let's not get him ready for Canton just yet. Let's let him play some games first. Unquote. Nobody in the media is writing anything negative about him. Everything is glowing positivity about Saquon Barkley. Physical skills character, dimensional football player, seems to have it all. But that hype is something we're going to have to watch, especially considering he plays in the same division as Ezekiel Elliott and the defending Super Bowl champions. It's actually secret option number three. Hugh Jackson is a master of hyperbole. He's hyperbole Hugh. He's been known to gush at times about his players. Not about his record, though seeing as how he's won exactly one football game at the helm of the Cleveland Browns. Here's what he said about Baker Mayfield over the weekend. Baker Mayfield has been everything I thought a quarterback should be for our organization thus far. He's doing the things we want him to do the way we want him to do it, and he's exceeding those things because he's putting in the time. He doesn't have a pride or an arrogance any kind of way. His thing is, you guys tell me what you want me to do, and I'm going to do it. That's what he's done since he's walked in the building. To me, that's exciting. That's a player that's eager to learn and grow, unquote. That sounds good. He then would go on to call him outstanding, saying he's doing fantastic inside the pocket. He's seeing the offense unfold better. I think he's making really good progress. That's what you want to see from a quack. This sounds great. Not that he's going to go out there and say that Baker Mayfield's awful, even if Baker Mayfield is struggling. And a lot of the Cleveland media seems to be pretty impressed with what they're seeing from Baker Mayfield. But Hugh Jackson said similar things in the past. And I'm not saying the deep past, like with the Raiders. I'm talking about last year when he was talking about a true stud, a can't-miss prospect, perhaps the man that should have been named NFL MVP last year. That man's name was Deshaun... Not Watson. Kaiser. Remember him? Right. No one else does either. Victim number four. Number four. The Eagles defense, and not just them, but they're not amused with these new tackling rules, and they've kind of gotten into it a little bit with the referees. One of the linebackers said that they're trying to ask questions to get a better understanding, and they can't get an answer. The new rule says a player will be penalized 15 yards, potentially fined or ejected for lowering his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. Danny Trevathan came out earlier today and said, look, this would definitely have affected me in the past. There was an hour-long presentation to the Eagles 
where players were shown clips of, of what are now considered illegal hits, many of which, quote, appeared to them as routine tackles, unquote. The players then showed the presenters a video of a hit from Malcolm Jenkins on Brandon Cooks during the Super Bowl that we remember knocked Cooks out of that game. And the refs, this should give you a lot of confidence, were split on whether it would now be considered an illegal hit. Okie dokie. They are basically saying, we didn't make the rules because I think guys were kind of frustrated. This is according to Wendell Smallwood, the running back for the Eagles. Most of the defense was like, man, how are we supposed to tackle? They were frustrated, and they were continually frustrated. The refs then said, look, we watched six games, and we only found three instances in which this new rule would come into play. But there's concern from some players with the Eagles. They're sort of the prime example so far, but you're starting to see it eke out from a lot of different areas around the NFL that this policy is going to, one, slow the game down, and two, cost a lot of folks a lot of money because it's going to be called so often this season as they're going to continue to try and do their best to try and protect people or certainly make it look like they're trying to protect people in an incredibly dangerous sport. Number five. Tom Brady. Saturday news conference. First time he's talked at camp this year. Asked whether he had a reaction to those who linked Alex Guerrero, his personal trainer, Mr. TB12, to wide receiver Julian Edelman's four-game suspension for PEDs. His response, I have no comment. It's just ridiculous. I'm out. See you guys. And he rolled out of the press conference. He did like four minutes, got this question, and rolled out disgusted. He picked up his helmet. Description was he ultimately walked to the team's locker room, putting an abrupt end to the press conference. I'm not saying that Alex Guerrero is doing anything wrong. I'm not saying... He had anything to do with what's happened with Julian Edelman. I'm not saying that Tom Brady has done PEDs in his career. I know how old Tom Brady is and the fact he's still in the league and the fact he hasn't seemed to have lost a step. He was never a good receiver, so you can't point back to the Super Bowl and say Tom Brady seven years ago would have made that catch because he probably wouldn't have if we're being honest about it. What I'm saying is if it's me and I'm Tom Brady in that moment, there's nothing that you're going to say. Even if you knew for a fact he did it, you're not actually just going to come out and say, yeah, well, I mean, he got PEDs from him. That's, that's obvious. They're business partners, meaning he and Alex Guerrero. But if you think about it logically, and you're standing there and somebody asks you this question, I don't know how many follow-ups he thought he was going to get to this, but all you have to do is say, I don't have any comment on that. I never got any PEDs from Alex Guerrero. I don't have any reason to think Julian Edelman did either. And that's it. And then stand there and take questions for another couple of minutes. Because when you walk away immediately after that question in the huff that he did, you remind me of Bart Simpson in the classic episode of The Simpsons where he stole the video game Bone Storm and he had a fake nose with silly putty on and someone said, actually that someone being his mother, said, is that a fake nose? Are you wearing silly putty? And his reaction was, I don't have to listen to these wild allegations. And then the fake nose fell off and rolled across the floor. Tom Brady, if you want to believe in conspiracies, looked like he had something to hide. The optics were awful in what he did. You don't just roll on that question as if it wasn't viable to ask. 
even though the guy who asked it knew he was not actually going to get a response to it, he would not have been doing his job if he had not asked the question. So that is five of the list of six tonight. We take a break. On the other side, I will tell you what the big six is. Unfortunately, it's not something on the field. We're not going to dwell on it. It is involving a cowboy. And then we're going to move to a former cowboy, now in the booth at ESPN, who is saying what I have been saying for a long time about the pitfalls of social media. Stick around. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Big Six, halfway home on a Monday, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Follow me there, 615-737-1045 if you want to jump in. Pete Yorn, Lost Weekend, bringing us back here. So we have laid out five of the list of six tonight. Andrew Luck back on the field. The Giants brass a little concerned about all the Saquon hype. Hugh Jackson gushing about Baker Mayfield, which would mean a lot more to me if he had not gushed about Deshaun Kaiser last year during the preseason. The Eagles defense representing for the rest of the league as they don't really understand these cloudy new tackling rules that are probably going to cause a lot of angst and a lot of Twitter anger, which we'll talk about again here in just a minute. And then Tom Brady storming off of his press conference the first time he's talked because he got asked a question about Julian Edelman and Alex Guerrero and what a bad look that was. And now, unfortunately, we get to tonight's big six. Jerry Jones, via Clarence Hill of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, the NFL tells Jerry Jones, stop talking about the anthem policy. Keep your mouth shut. Last week, we know what Jones said. Players will be on the sideline. They'll stand for the anthem. Toe on the white line. And you can go into the anthem policy and all of those things. They're still trying to work out the anthem policy. They don't really want a whole lot of people commenting on it right now. But Jones was set to be interviewed Sunday evening by various Dallas media outlets. And each one was informed very, very shortly before the interviews were to take place that there would be absolutely zero questions about the anthem policy. And Fox 4 canceled its interview because of that limitation saying that when he was told at the last minute he couldn't ask questions about the anthem policy, this reporter just said no. So he didn't ask about Des Bryant. He didn't ask about what Jason Witten tweeted, which may have been in response to Des Bryant. He didn't ask about all the things that he could have talked about surrounding the Cowboys because they said, please don't talk about the anthem. That is off limits. He canceled the interview. The NFL has slammed the door on Jerry Jones making any further anthem comments. Now, you will read headlines, bad headlines, a segment we're going to start doing on this show. Stop, ladies and gentlemen. If you do this, do not be part of this mob any longer. Do not log on to social media, read a headline, and then lose your mind as if you actually know what you're talking about. Because usually, more often than not, it seems these days, those headlines are erroneous or they are agenda-driven. Because I read multiple headlines today that said Jerry Jones refuses to answer, will not answer questions on the anthem. That's really not what it was. The NFL told him he couldn't answer. 
It wasn't that Jerry Jones put a kibosh on it. He was told he wasn't allowed to talk about it. That's not an accurate headline. Whether you like Jerry Jones or not, get it right if you're going to get it right. Now, I'm not going to talk about the anthem tonight. Hopefully, I'm not going to have to talk about it very much at all. I've said some things about it. We've all said some things about it, just like several other debates that rage in this country over and over and over again. You're on one side of that issue or you're on the other side and you ain't coming to the other side regardless of what evidence gets presented. Whatever camp you're in, that tent is permanent. You are not folding that thing up and crossing the border. You're not fording the river on the Oregon Trail. You're not trying to float across. You've made your decision. That's the side you're going to be on. And as such, there's no real reason to spend a ton of time talking about it. I do want to talk about Jason Witten for a couple of minutes. He wrote a piece for ESPN on Friday entitled, quote, how Twitter has become NFL locker room poison, unquote. I read from the article. I've seen the negative impact social media can have, particularly on younger players who grew up with Twitter and Instagram as an integral part of life. A player checking Twitter at halftime? I've seen it. A player tweeting out a grievance with an organization about playing time or how he's being utilized? I see it far too often. But the most concerning? Watching a really talented player corrupt his mind and confidence by reading all the critiques from anonymous football experts around the world. Negative social media can ruin a player. Reading your mentions... It's poison. Then he went on to say, look, there are good things like J.J. Watt and what he was able to do for hurricane relief. And there are positives. And you do get good information. And you do learn about the world. And you can learn about people. And you can get to know people. But far too often, and I've railed about this already, pride being where I go every time I start to think about it, pride is what makes you look at your follower count and care when one number changes in the wrong direction or if it changes in the right direction it's still pride pride is what makes you send that tweet that you really don't need to send you don't really need to be logged in at all you could actually be living your life talking to actual human beings but instead you're a part of a culture that says i desperately care what nobody thinks of me but unfortunately you have given nobody all the power. It doesn't matter if it's an egg avatar with 50 followers or it's somebody with a verified account with half a million. Who really cares? There are many times I will see accounts of famous people saying things that I disagree with. I don't choose to actually engage and send them anything because I know something inherently inside my mind. As much as I wish they might, and actually the more I think about it, the less I care whether they do or not, they don't care what I have to say. And if I engage with them, it's either not going to go anywhere or it's just going to start an argument. So unless it's a friend or someone I really know or I have something truly constructive to say, I am just going to keep my mouth shut about it. But if you go on Twitter and if you're an NFL player and we see this with these millennial athletes in particular that care so much about what the public perception is of them, who cares? Did you win the football game? How did you think you played? More importantly, how did coach think you played? How did your teammates think you played? It doesn't matter what at, I'm not even going to try because I'll probably get thrown off the air because I'll come up with some terrible name out of at culture shock. Who cares what at culture shock has to say about how you played on Sunday just because he has a Titans avatar and you play for the Titans? It doesn't matter. 
So what Jason Witten is saying, I applaud. And I've said it before. The less you're on social media, the happier you're going to be. Live your life. There will come a time in mine someday down the road when I will delete every account if they still exist and I will simply, and I'm not talking like off the grid. I'm not Walden. I'm not Thoreau. I'm not going to a pond. I've said that before. But a quiet life is often a happy life. Minding your own business, being self-sufficient, being responsible, caring about your family, caring about your friends, being willing to do anything in the world for them, and not having time to concern yourself with what people you've never met who would never have the guts to say it to your face say behind a keyboard. Applause to Jason Witten. We'll be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the program. It's the Big Six. Join the movement. You're already part of the movement. You're listening. 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at JMartZoneSpoon. Don't make me a target. Bring this back. One of my favorite tunes. I'm going to make your day, ladies and gentlemen. If you're driving, let's say you're about to pull into your driveway right now. Let's say you have pulled into your driveway and you're already thinking about that dinner. You're already thinking about whatever that television show is that's on your DVR. I'm going to ask you to remain with me for the next 10 minutes. Because this story, if you have not heard it, and many of you have not, is one of the most ridiculous things I have ever heard. I want to tell you about 51-year-old Kevin Caton. He's a mild-mannered finance manager of a car dealership in Illinois. And currently, county prosecutors have charged him with felony identity theft for financial gain and unauthorized use of an entity's identifying information. Those charges have maximum potential sentences of six years each. That sounds pretty bad. Sounds like Chris Hansen and to catch an ID thief back on Dateline like eight years ago. What is it that this guy did? Was this like a uh, please help my sister email scam? What was it that this guy did? What he did was he impersonated a staff member at a Lake Delton, Wisconsin restaurant for the purposes of adding the Pac-12 network to the bar, restaurant, whatever, their cable package. Because while he was on vacation there from Illinois, he could then watch an Arizona Wildcats regular season basketball game in December. I really just kind of want to sit here and let you take all that in. He wanted to watch the Arizona Wildcats play basketball in December so badly that he impersonated staff at the restaurant that he was going to be in to get the Pac-12 network there so that he could ensure that he could watch DeAndre Ayton and the Wildcats play ball in December. We're not talking about not even in the Pac-12 tournament, folks. Not certainly in the NCAA tournament. In December, one of three games, they couldn't narrow down which one it was. 
New Mexico, North Dakota State, and then the one it probably was, Arizona State. So let's pray that at least it was the rivalry game between Arizona and Arizona State on December the 30th. In my head and in my heart, I desperately want to believe that this moron did this so that he could watch Arizona versus North Dakota State on December the 18th. So how did this scheme unravel? Lake Delton Police, this is according to Awful Announcing, a very fun article, began investigating in February after the business manager of Buffalo Phil's noticed a significant increase in the restaurant's cable bill and contacted authorities, according to a criminal complaint. The officer eventually obtained, get this, ladies and gentlemen, 11 phone calls, 11 that were recorded by the cable provider in December. In the calls, a man who identified himself as Pat Barkley, I'm praying that's a takeoff on Matt Barkley, asked to add a Pac-12 channel to the restaurant's cable package. He mentioned wanting to watch an Arizona Wildcats basketball game later that week. Officers later traveled to Illinois, visited Caton's workplace. He would not speak with them. They followed up with a co-worker to ask about his demeanor and how he acted after they left. That is an amazing story. He decided he wasn't going to illegally stream it. He was just going to try and pose as someone else and then get this added to this restaurant's cable package. He made 11 phone calls to try to get this channel added to a restaurant in another state he was planning to visit just so he could watch one game. So how did they catch him? The News Republic, the Baraboo News Republic in Salt County, Wisconsin, writes that after obtaining the calls from the cable service, the police overheard the caller stepping away and speaking with someone in the background saying, hey, it's Kevin. Not Pat Barkley, of course. So he used his real name amidst this fakery on a call where you're told at the very beginning of the call we all know this this call may be recorded for quality assurance purposes guess what all 11 calls were recorded so when he said he was kevin that tipped him off and how about this in a secondary call the police overheard someone purchasing a car in the background remember he worked at a car dealership mentioning a second job they work at at an Illinois healthcare facility. They contacted that facility based on hearing this in the call, found that employee, then found the dealership, and found Kevin there. So Kevin Caton, a finance manager in Illinois at a car dealership, felony identity theft, financial gain, unauthorized use of an entity's identifying information, so that he could watch the Arizona Wildcats play a regular season basketball game in December. And the two charges, the two felonies that he has been charged with carry sentences of up to six years in prison each. If this ain't social Darwinism, if this ain't natural selection, ladies and gentlemen, I have no idea what is. Now you tell me that that six minutes that you stayed in your car 
wasn't worth every penny because now you know what you get to do? You get to waltz in that house in a couple of minutes and tell that story to everybody who was unlucky enough not to hear it. I already made you smarter, but we love to make you smarter, and we call it this. There are 64 teams in the Power 5 conferences. Last season, you know how many of them qualified for a bowl game? 44. A 45th was Ole Miss. They qualified, but, well, we know why they weren't in a bowl. Had they been eligible, over 70% of Power 5 teams would have been in a bowl game. All but 19 Power 5 teams made bowls. Just like Huey Lewis said to Marty McFly, when he was lead singer of the Pinheads, I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. Folks, I'm afraid there are just too many darn bowls. Only three games matter. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. Fast talk next here on The Zone.